Welcome back to the podcast. So stoked that you're here with me today. As always, I am Robert Massey and I'm your host of the Travel and Adventure Photography School podcast and this is episode 84. So on this podcast, we talk about all things travel and photography related. Some weeks you'll get tips on how to shoot better images in the wild. Others will talk about client engagement and business building. And in other episodes, we'll get into the creative process itself. So really, you'll get a little bit of everything on this podcast, all related to photography and the industry around it. And this is all coming from the perspective of someone who is a professional photographer currently based in one of the most spectacular, phenomenal, beautiful, and just mind-boggling outdoor playgrounds in the world, Banff National Park in Alberta, Canada. If you've never been to Banff, put it on your bucket list, get here, come and see this place. And go beyond the classic turquoise lakes. Of course, go see Moraine Lake and go see Pato and go see all these beautiful places. But go beyond them. There is so much space to explore here. And it is so worth hanging out and getting into the backcountry and seeing some of these phenomenal places that 95% of travelers never will. All right, enough about my pitch for you to come to Banff National Park, even though I think you should. It's really, really cool. I just want to say thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, if you want to talk photography or let me know something you want to learn more about here on the podcast, you can reach out on Instagram at Robert Massey Photography, or you can find all my other contact details along with the show notes for this episode and every single other episode on robertmasseyphotography.ca. All right, let's get into the episode. This week, I'm going to give you some tips for getting out in the wild and creating some beautiful photographs. Now, if you saw my Insta stories last week or are looking at my feed this week, you'll see photos from a hidden waterfall gem in Jasper National Park. This was part of a 14-hour day on the Icefield Parkway, also known as Highway 93, that connects Banff National Park and Jasper. Beautiful, stunning place. Expect to spend a couple of days out there exploring and seeing everything. We were hitting up tons of different photo spots, but this waterfall and honestly standing inside of a frozen waterfall was by far the highlight of the day. And that included sunrise and sunset at Pato Lake, which is seen as one of the most beautiful locations in the world. So this waterfall was just mind blowing. So this week I thought I'd pass along what I've learned about shooting in and around frozen waterfalls, especially what I was reflecting upon after this previous journey that we were in. Frozen waterfalls are honestly just stunning subjects and even backdrops for photographs. But there are some special considerations you need to take when exploring around them and especially when getting to them. So if you may ever get the chance to shoot a frozen waterfall, then you will want to listen to this episode for sure today. All right, let's not hold you in suspense any longer. Let's get into this with our planning phase. First things first, and if you've listened to other episodes, you'll know how important this is to me safety and knowing your route. Safety is paramount in my eyes to every single expedition. And exploring winter is a totally different monster than exploring during any other season. A simple summer route may become deadly and impassable in the winter. So before just heading out to a waterfall you've hiked into in the summer, look at your route. Does it pass through avalanche terrain? Where are the hidden dangers? What equipment or training will you need? Deep snow can hide all sorts of dangers on the walk-in, like hidden boulder fields where you could fall, break an ankle, do all sorts of other horrible things, or stepping out onto a cornice that you might fall off of. And avalanches can pose a considerable risk in the winter, either directly in your path, like you might have to actually walk through an avalanche zone, or even above you on the trails and you might not even realize that there's a risk that an avalanche could come ripping down on you. 
So you really want to make sure to check with a local expert group to learn of any dangers on your route. And if you're in Canada, Parks Canada has some really great resources. You can check out their website or you can call them up and they will definitely help you know about where the avalanche risks are and any other issues that might be on that trail at that point. Super amazing resource. Oh, and don't forget that traveling in winter will take you longer. So give yourself more time and bring more water, more food. Just expect to take a little more time while you're on the trail. Plus, navigation can be a challenge as some markers will be buried and hidden. And well-worn paths may not be very obvious like they are in the summer. So get to know your route, even if you've been there before, as this will help ensure you stay as safe as possible. Well, as safe as you possibly can when you're traveling in the mountains in the winter, which can be a very dangerous activity. And this is all before you even get to the waterfall itself, where once you are actually there, you should take some safety precautions as well. So firstly, if there are ice climbers on the falls, stay back and give them space. Ice climbing is a fantastic sport, but it can also cause a little bit of instability in a frozen waterfall with an increased risk of chunks of ice coming down or a climber coming down suddenly. And you really don't want to be in that crash down zone if something should happen, and that zone can actually expand well out past the waterfall. So if there are climbers there, be respectful and stay back until they finish their climb. Definitely don't wander around under the waterfall while someone is swinging an ice axe into it. If there are no climbers there, feel free to approach, but take careful stock of the condition of the ice. Are there open spots where you can see rushing water? Then it may not be safe to step out onto the waterfall itself. Has a part of the waterfall been in direct sunlight for a few hours? That area is going to be potentially weaker than parts in the shade. So be more careful around those areas as there's a higher probability of stepping through the ice or chunks of the waterfall coming off. This is because the sun heats up those areas and causes potential instabilities. And finally, don't forget to look up and see potential hazards. Many waterfalls have large icicles hanging around them that could break loose. So keep an eye on them while you are exploring and do your best not to stand directly under them or in front of them as they could come loose and seriously injure or kill you or a member of your party. You know, all this is to say frozen waterfalls are amazing and beautiful and worth the risk to get to them, but they can be incredibly dangerous and should not be underestimated. Go see and explore but take the proper precautions to keep yourself and your party safe so you can keep exploring and keep seeing more frozen waterfalls and keep seeing more amazing, cool things in this world. All right, so if you're heading into a frozen waterfall, what should you bring with you? There are two sets of gear you should have, your adventure kit and your camera kit. Let's start with the adventure kit. As with every hike, you should have your basics like proper footwear. It's winter, so winter footwear is a must. A med kit, water, food, and emergency supplies. Beyond that, you should bring micro spikes with you. These mini teeth for your shoes stretch over the bottom of your boot and give you grip on slippery surfaces, especially ice. And traction around a frozen waterfall is a necessity. Honestly, without micro spikes, I wouldn't even bother heading out the door to go to a waterfall in the winter. That's how necessary they are. So if you're planning on going and don't already own micro spikes, head to a store and pick some up. Now you are looking for the ones with actual teeth. Not the ones that look like treads or chains you would put on tires. They're not nearly as helpful. They won't give you the same grip. You'll also want to bring a helmet to protect from possible ice fall. Rock and ice climbing helmets are ideal for this, but honestly, any type of helmet will do. Just something that's going to protect you. And these will also protect as you slip and bash your head on the ice. Which, once again, you're scrambling up and down 
like steep inclines of ice and doing all sorts of other fun things and probably putting yourself in some weird positions to try and get the right angles for your photographs. So a helmet might not be the worst idea to help protect yourself should you take a sudden slip. You could also consider bringing rope depending on the conditions you walk through and into and hiking poles as well. Now, finally, waterproof pants and a jacket or a change of clothing are going to be imperative for you. Even when frozen, waterfalls are very wet places. And you're going to likely end up with a very damp everything while shooting and slipping and falling. I know, I was crawling around on my belly for shots and I was sliding down inclines to get out of places when I was out shooting last week. Which honestly would have soaked through everything except my Gore-Tex. Alright, so you'll want all that gear with you. But, of course, it's a travel and adventure photography podcast. You're going to want your camera equipment with you. And this is where it gets a little bit easier in my eyes. If you're heading out to explore around and inside a frozen waterfall, you can leave your big telephotos at home. There is not enough space inside or even up close to a waterfall to make use of them. So, leave that 70 to 200, leave that 300, 2.8, whatever, at home or in your bag. Don't even bother bringing it down the trail with you unless you have an intention to try and shoot that waterfall from a distance. During my Jasper waterfall shoot, I mainly used a Canon 16-35 f4, and I wished I'd had a wider lens with me, something closer to 12mm to get some of the compositions I really wanted. Waterfalls create these beautiful ice caverns and details, but they can be very tight spaces, so you will want a wide-angle or ultra-wide-angle lens with you. Now, you're also going to want an excellent prime lens with low-light performance. Now, this would be ideal as the insides of the caverns and the ice caves and in behind a waterfall can be very dark. So, think something with an f2.8 or lower, or a really good high ISO camera, like something like the a7S III from Sony. But I'd rather go with the low-light lens so you aren't losing any detail while dealing with the noise. So if you have access to a low-light lens, go that way. If you have access to a really low-light camera, that works a little bit as well. And if you're a macro lover, definitely bring that with you. There are so many spectacular details in the ice that you're just going to you're gonna spend hours there just shooting the detail of the ice themselves and the way it hangs and the way it cracks and the way it looks. It's, it's phenomenal. So if you're a macro lover, bring that lens. You are also going to want a tripod for any focus stacking or HDRs you want to create, or if you're a macro shooter, for your macro work. And if you're like me and you take the straps off your camera all the time, you'll want to remember a strap for your camera that holds it tight to your body or a bag that gives you quick and easy access to your gear that you can easily scramble around in and make lots of fast, tight movements. I actually forgot to put a camera strap into my bag last week, and that was a bit of a problem when we were actually at the waterfall itself. I ended up having to explore with my big Shimoda backpack on, and that thing holds your body tight. It's got a phenomenal suspension system. I absolutely love moving around with it, but I definitely would have preferred not to have that 20, 25 pounds on my back while I was going up steep inclines, up and down, ice falls, all that kind of stuff. You will be moving around on slippy surfaces where falls can happen really quickly, so you'll want both hands-free and your camera gear protected. Your hands-free so that you can help balance yourself out, grab things, pull up onto things, and obviously your camera gear protected, so if you take a fall, it's not going to go trashed. All right, so you've got your gear, you've got your route, and you're there and ready to shoot. But honestly, shooting a frozen waterfall can be overwhelming. There's so much detail, so many places to explore, and put people... What do you do? Like, there's just so much in front of you. What do you actually do? Here's how I typically start things. 
I'll scout around the whole waterfall, finding all the cool hidden crevices and angles. It can be tempting to just pull out your camera and start shooting with the very first crevice you see, but you really want to know what is around you before dedicating shooting time to any one area. This is because the first spot you come across may not be the best, and you'll want your lay of the land so you make sure that you are using your time efficiently and properly. So explore first, wander around, get a feel for the place, and take that time to really enjoy and take in the experience of being at this majestic frozen waterfall. It, it can be absolutely spectacular and mind-blowing, so don't just get into shooting right away. Take some time to feel it and engage with the space. Next, look for a way to provide scale to the waterfall. I really like using a person for scale. Putting them into the scene can really help your viewer get a sense of just how big or even how little a waterfall is. Think that like little person, big object, typically, and that will really draw people in. So get low, get high, and use something for scale. And when you get low, you're going to be able to cause some of those really cool distortions that are going to kind of like make an ice cave or make the waterfall feel really expansive and like it's falling into you. Whereas if you can get up high, it'll give you a really great sense of how the water is flowing off the waterfall and how it's moving around. So really get into that space and get moving into different positions and different angles. And I think you'll be amazed with what you can see. And don't just get focused on the waterfall itself. Look for all the little details around it as well. Waterfalls throw a lot of water when they aren't frozen, which typically means cool tiny ice formations form nearby. These can make beautiful macro subjects or framing and foreground tools to enhance your shot. And finally, when you get sunlight or off-camera lighting shining through a waterfall, you will see some fantastic color casts. I find these are typically deep blues and some greens and make use of these color casts in your images. Lean into them and don't shy away from the unique look and feel they can provide. It, it may look a little alien or foreign or just totally different than what you're seeing, and that is cool. That is great. So go for it. Lean into that. Oh, and don't forget about your subject's clothing and colors. Black and dark shades really blend in with waterfalls. So do your best to put your subject in a color that will pop against that blue, those deep greens, the darkness of the inside of a cavern. Think something like yellow, orange, or red. They look amazing during non-fall times in the mountains. And outside of that, lean into your style. Like, just go for it. If you typically take photos in a certain way, keep doing that. Don't be influenced by what other people tend to do at waterfalls, or don't try and recreate what everyone else is doing around you. Just go for how you like to make photos, and really just lean into it and have fun creating your art. All right, you've gotten your shots. You've gotten out and home safely. Now what? Well, let's talk really quickly about editing, because editing a waterfall shot can be a bit of a different experience than editing just say a sunset or a sunrise or your typical kind of landscape work. And I find this is typically from those unique color casts that we were just talking about. Now you'll get into your editor, say something like Lightroom CC or whatever one you like to choose, and the program, if you decide to choose like the auto white balance, will automatically try to pull a lot of that blue out of the shot. Or if you get into color balancing it, you're, you might end up trying to take away some of that color cast automatically. Don't do that. Don't try and make it a standard colored image. Keep that color cast in there at least somewhat. It's part of what makes the experience so magical. Now, it can also be tempting to go around and remove any minor imperfections in the waterfall, like dirt specks, misshapen pieces of ice, things of that nature. Now, go ahead and do a little bit of that, but don't overdo it make sure you keep some imperfections in the waterfall. 
It's naturally occurring. There will be dirt and some weird pieces in there. And getting rid of everything changes the reality of your photo and gives it this surreal and unnatural feeling that most viewers will not enjoy. They may not be able to place it precisely about what feels off, but something will keep them from loving the shot. So remove things with care. I know I did that with one of the pieces I was editing recently where I went in and actually was removing a ton of the extra dirt and I was getting rid of all this these different pieces of color that were in there and it started to make the photo feel less like the actual ice cave that we were in and more like some static bland thing that we put together in a studio. And this is adventure and travel photography. We aren't in studios. We're out there living real life. So don't go overboard with it. Definitely be really precise and thoughtful with what you choose to remove from an image if you choose to do anything at all. I know one of the big things I chose to remove um, was actually that my subject had some keys dangling from their hip. I hadn't actually realized that. He was one of the other photographers I was there with and they were super bright and they, just, they were kind of distracting in the image. So I pulled them out. Um, and I also pulled out some of the miscolor that was going on at the top where the um, ice had gotten really, really dirty and started to turn this like yellowy, grungy kind of color. But the ice in the foreground of the image still had tons of dirt chunks in it, still had tons of like the imperfections in the ice. And that was perfect. I wasn't touching those. I didn't want them to go anywhere because we are in reality. And the other thing to watch out for when you're editing is to not over sharpen that image. This is pretty standard in any sort of landscape work, but especially with waterfalls, there's so many little tiny details going on in that ice that if you start using the clarity slider too much, and if you start really upping the sharpness, you can really make your image look really strange and cause some weird aberrations and issues in the photo. So instead of getting into doing global changes with sharpening, I would actually start using brushes and be very specific about what you were sharpening in the image. And that's really it. That's the advice I have for you for editing besides the obvious. Make it match how you want your images to feel. And honestly, that's actually really it. Shooting a frozen waterfall is a massively rewarding experience. It can be a lot of work and preparation, but it is very worth getting there and creating those unique pieces of art. Plus, the experience is truly magical. I find myself just standing there staring in awe, not even shooting images every once in a while. And I hope you can have this experience as well. All right. If you are looking for the show notes for this episode, you can find them online at robertmasseyphotography.ca. And let me know if you head out into the wilds to shoot frozen waterfalls. I'd love to hear about your adventures, where you're headed to, whatever you want to share with me about them. Reach out via Instagram at robertmasseyphotography and we can chat about it. Thanks so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate you taking some time to be here today and to improve your photography. Now get out there, get into the wild, get into this big, beautiful world of ours and go on an adventure. Bye for now, my friends.